Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors this is our 2021 AFL Grand Final edition that's happening over in Western Australia later this evening. The Western Bulldogs taking on the Melbourne Demons in what promises to be a wonderful AFL Grand Final. We're going to dissect it a little later uh, in the show. We're going to go through all the matchups, mids versus forwards, the two powerhouse um Teams that have been so successful right throughout the year. So gearing up this week is all centred around the AFL Grand Final. Before we get to that, let's talk a bit of fishing. Good morning, Aaron. Have good. Good morning, Patrick. Pleasure to be here. Unfortunately, the uh, my Cattery mob hasn't made it to the Grand Final, but it looks like it's going to be a, a cracker game. Like you said, two informed teams. Uh, the Bont is playing not too bad footy as well as those other two fellas in the midfield, Petrarca and Oliver. So I'm looking forward to asking you a few questions and, Talking a little bit about uh, about the game that we love, and it's, to be honest with you, it's gotten me through the lockdown, Patrick. But it's, uh, it's it's sad to say, but it's what's gotten through a lot of Victorians and other people in the country through these lockdowns. But first, Pat, we've got a bit of fishing news. We do. There's there's more it's, um, than just earthquakes that's happened this week, <laughs> Redmond. Australia border force out of Cape George picking up ghost nets. Um, over a 16-hour period, 10 k's of netting. Can you talk us through ghost nets, what they are and the effect they have in the environment? Yeah, it's a lot of netting. Well over 10 kilometres they picked up, which is, you think about it, 10 kilometres of just pure nets. Like it's it's a very, very large distance of netting. And it before I get into what it is, it, it can entangle in all sorts of marine life, such as like your turtles, your dolphins. Whales. Your, whales birds dugongs you name it it can kill that but not only can it kill our wildlife it can also kill us humans and with trailer boats and what they are now uh traveling out of malacuta and doing the reason i say malacuta pat because you're stationed there and we're going to talk about that soon but malacuta people are launching there and they're traveling out to the shelf to chase these lakes entrance uh sorry these malacuta swordfish as well as lakes entrance and they're it's a long way out it's 100 kilometers they're traveling out to sea and Netting that over netting in the water that we're traveling at speeds that we we do, if you run into an entangled net and it like say a big ball of it, it could literally send you from forty knots to stop and put you on your backside pretty bloody quickly and do some serious damage to your engine. And being say eighty kilometers offshore or hundred or even forty, it's a long way to get in with no engine or if damage does happen. But what it is is it's just like pretty self-explanatory. It's it's netting, so it's it just floats. It just, just floats. Either it's been caught and snagged on reefs or fishermen have yep. just dumped it over the side 100 percent, and it's and 
that it's sad to say that fishermen do dump it over the side, but they they do. And I know certain distances offshore, there is a place, there are areas where you can you can dump stuff. So people doing illegal and non illegal things, but. Yeah, they've done a tremendous job, Australian Border Force, picking up all that netting. So if you are out on the boat and you do see something in the water, do your best to pick it up. And if you can't do it, because let's be honest, Pat, you and I can't go out there and pick up 10 kilometres of netting in, in your and I boat, but you can make a phone call and the right people can go there and actually do what needs to be done. So well done to Australian Border Force. How did you survive the earthquake? Were you sheltering under <laughs> a table? I, I did laugh during the week seeing... Um, a few of the memes sort of flowing around. You know, Victoria, we will rebuild, and there's a deck chair that's turned over on the in the backyard. <laughs> well, for me, for me, and I hate to say this, but for me, I didn't feel the earthquake. <laughs> I didn't feel a single thing. I was. We're going to talk about Bastiavi pumping in a minute, but I was out with Kano, a good friend of mine, and we were out pumping Bastiavis, and I reckon I'm the only person on the planet, uh, in Victoria, sorry, that didn't feel this earthquake. I literally, I don't know because there was no structure around me, nothing like that, but Kane and I got to the car and we we walked back to the car and 9.15 was the earthquake, I'm pretty sure, 9.15. I got a phone call at 9.17 from Kari, my partner, ringing me going, something just happened in the house, Aaron, I think you, I, I don't know what's happened. I said, what do you mean? And she goes, this massive, the house is just shaking like it was, and I'm going, you lost the plot, mate. Like, what is wrong with you? Kane and I are literally laughing our heads off. And I'm like, what? She goes, oh, maybe it was just a big truck that comes past. I'm like, Kari, we live in a court in Ocean Grove. If a truck comes past our house at that sort of speed or that big, it's not meant to be there anyways. <laughs> You're in trouble. So I literally didn't feel a single thing. She had the house, whole house shaking. She thinks it was making weird noises. So I literally scrolled onto Facebook. I said, hold on, I need to check for you. So what do you do? Scroll down on Facebook, the most reliable news source you can find. Absolutely, if you want if you want COVID news, that's a great way place to go get misinformation or earthquake or earthquake news. But it, it was actually <laughs> on par this one, so it was, uh, I reckon there was about ten thousand statuses in the space of twenty seconds relating back to the earthquake, and uh, I had to ring her back and apologise. So she did feel the earthquake. I didn't feel a single thing. But how'd you go? You were in Malacuta, obviously. Did you feel it down there? No, I, I don't think it'll – maybe it'll hit Malacuta next week. <laughs> Very sleepy little town, beautiful Malacuta. But, no, there's a, actually a few campers that had mentioned it later that morning, which I'm not sure. I'd, I'd like to feel like I understand. They felt you know, it in the bottom end of New South Wales. Uh, they felt – Canberra. Uh, Absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> and you felt nothing like me. Let's get back to – you were talking about yabbies. It yep. is school holidays uh, for a lot of people – right around the country and it's a wonderful activity to engage in um, with your kids to get into fishing it's a great bait particularly around estuary systems and off the beach but it's also something that you can do that you can immediately get a result from kids can see you, you you're collecting bait and they have a great time doing it it is actually hard work for the bloke on the pump so if you're if you're out there taking the kids and mum or dad put the kids on the pump because it's much easier. But I, like I said, I did it during the week and I went down to get some bass yabbies and nippers, we like to call them, and we're going to chase the brim with them, which we actually had no success on the brim. But we actually had more fun in pumping the yabbies. Now, you can pick a pump up from it, – it's a, it's going to be one of those things. If you're just going in on a holiday doing it a once-off, I wouldn't be going to spend 200 bucks on a pump 
40, 50 bucks from a tackle store, 60 bucks. You can pick a, a pump that's going to do the job on the day. It might not last forever, but it's going to work really, really well. So a Basiabi pump or a nipper pump or a bait pump, whatever you want to call it, everyone calls it different things. They are cheap, but like you said before, extremely fun to keep the kids occupied because every pump that goes onto the ground after you uh, uh, push, push it out of the, the end of the pump, it literally has mud that shoots out in water and you get your Basiabis, your worms, your fish – fly out but they can actually go through that mud as well and find more creatures like crabs and yabbies and you what you'll find is behind you you'll have a trail of seagulls or birds picking up the scraps that is literally following behind that you miss and the amount of stuff you miss being someone like myself looking for just bass yabbies is tremendous and the kids will have a ball pulling apart and then later on in the day you can head down to like tires or you can head to the barn river estuary or wherever you are use that bat the bass yabbies all the little green clicker ones, the nipper ones, and catch yourself some good fish, flathead, big brim, trevally, salmon, you name it, you're going to be able to catch it. Everything eats bass yabbies. I don't know why, because I don't know if, how good they go catching them under the sand or whatnot, Pat, but they're one of the best baits going around. So they work really, really well. And this school holidays, it doesn't matter how windy it is either. You can head into the shallow waters around pretty much any estuary, find those holes that you're looking for. They're just little, I guess, five-cent pieces, not even – the size of that and just find it and start pumping away and the kids will literally have a ball uh, picking everything they possibly can out of the sand that you pump out for them. Redmond, I've spent the last week and a bit uh, camping at Malakuta, the beautiful foreshore camp park. Now, I've never been to Malakuta before. You and I have spoken about it on the show because you've been there and you've spent time there yep. you've fished there. After spending a week and a half here, thereabouts, it, oh, I just love the place. It is. He literally rang me during the week and just said, why haven't I been here before? <laughs> it is just magnificent. And it was it was quite, quite incredible driving in. And you can certainly see how once you get to Malakuta, as those fires came through in, what was it, 2019, how, how challenging that would have mm. been. It's one road in, one road out. And once you're surrounded, they weren't getting out. It was amazing to see some of the... Uh, the photos of the army um, and the boats that they had coming in, picking, picking people up to take them out. And then to see, um, you know, how many houses it had taken, the houses that had been spared. But it is one of the most picturesque places I've ever been. The the, the lake system through Malakuta is incredible. Like if you're interested in, in the outdoors, whether it be walking, beach work, fishing lakes, it's here. If you want to fish offshore, you've got Gabo Island, which isn't far uh, at all offshore. It's probably a kilometre from the beach and very, very accessible uh, via the boat ramp at Malakuta, which can be dangerous, and Aaron will talk about that um, in a little bit. But it's so accessible. That foreshore caravan park where I'm staying now has powered and non-powered sites right throughout it, great for caravans, great for camping, but it's also got – uh, camping sites that are right on the water that have their own private jetties. So you can camp at Malakuta and have your boat moored literally in front of your campsite. It is really? incredible. And there's so few that. places, yeah, there's so few places right around the country that you can actually do this. And it is perfectly set up in Malakuta to do this. So access to the, the lake system, it's actually open at the moment. So it's tidal. So you have the tide moving in, in and out throughout the day. Thanks for answering my next question. <laughs> so it's not always open but it is at the moment so um 
you do have to pay attention to where you're driving. You can't like my old man who uh, dad's been up here as well. He's he's taken the little four meter punt and just drove straight through what would have probably half a meter of water, flat knacker, and they hit the sandbar. So that was rather humorous to see. <laughs> but it, it's incredible. Great facilities for for the launching into the lake system. And there's three different boat ramps that I've driven past so far. There's one right at the caravan park. There's one further up which gives you access to the sort of the top part of the lake system and a place called the Narrows, which is a really good place to fish. And, and we've, um, we've had great success with brim and flathead through there. And then the, the boat facility to launch into the ocean is is more challenging. Certainly you need to know what you're doing, but it's 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 really well set up. It can, it can be affected by swell. So that's one thing to think about, but, it is it is phenomenal. I've just been so impressed by this little place. I, I'd urge anyone, um, you know, once we get out of the current predicament that we're in, and if we're still only able to travel within the state, make Malakuta your next stop because it's oh, it's probably a bit over six hours, six and a half hours from uh, from Melbourne with a stop. So it's a decent trek, but it is so worthwhile because there's so many incredible places to go and adventure. Now, just to go back to that ban- the boat ramp uh, side of things, just going to – on a fishing side, I've been, an, I've been an offshore fisherman myself. It can be a prick of a ramp. I'll be honest with you. You can have a little bit of sand build up, but not that – but more importantly, you can have swell. And Yeah, and and Bastion Point is where this ramp is. And it was, it was quite um, – it was hotly debated when it was initially put in because it has affected the surf off that Malakuta Inlet Point. But – it would be incredibly dangerous if that rock wall wasn't set up there. But and I, you're going to talk about this in a second. But really experienced anglers have have fallen foul to this. Yeah, there has, and there was an abalone angler that went out over last year. Um, multiple boats have been gone over there at Malakuta, which is, uh, would, yeah, it's not, it's not. You just got to respect it. Let, let's be honest. If you if you get there and a local says, "What are you doing?" Don't go out because if you don't know it make sure you speak to the right people that do and they'll give you the advice that you do you do need because abalone if an abalone guy's going over out of that area you know that look you probably should be a little bit more mindful of where you are because those boys know that joint back to front and inside out because they do it all day every day and have for a long period of time but to go back to the fishing so i know people want to know have you caught anything have you actually pulled your finger out have you caught anything you wouldn't believe it. I don't always need you holding my hand to catch fish. So I spoke about the Narrows, which is slightly further up um, the Malakuta Inlet. It's basically you go to your left, essentially, and it's where it's, it's quite narrow, funnily enough. It's a pretty easy-to-remember name. Description like myself. And, and we've, we've cast, you know, sort of three, four-inch soft plastics into the riverbanks, particularly in the afternoons where the sort of rock walls are as that sort of sun beams onto them, heats them up. The floodies seem to have sat there and we've done really well with sort of fish up to 65, 70 centimetres in length. Um, Just that slow retrieve, it's almost edging it off the bottom of the surface, kicking up a little bit of uh, of sand and silt and whack. So that's been terrific. We've caught tail, we've caught Australian salmon and, and plenty of brim. There's been stacks of brim around. So um, reports from sort of the, the local tackle shop weren't terrific. They said there's, there's salmon there's, and brim and not much else, but we've had great fish on the flathead. We fished offshore, was it Thursday morning before the wind got up in the afternoon and went and had a look around Gabo Island um, and sort of we hit 40 metres of water, flatties, 
and sort of edged out sort of 10 metres at a time when we sort of drifted off them. And that was, you know, that seemed to work pretty well. Um, so, yeah, uh, so much time for this place that you, you really need to put some time into and to think about as your next destination. There's a golf course there. It's such a wonderful place. And the locals are so friendly. You know, there's been no one, arguably no one more affected by COVID than than local communities like Malakuta, who before COVID hit mm. had dealt with the yep. insane um, fire incidents that occurred in 2019. So if we can support these local local places like Malakuta with the tourism dollars, Redmond, it's only a it's only a good thing. And there's so many incredible places to go and explore. So yeah, just terrific. Before we go to the break. When are you actually coming back, or are you coming back? Because we've got stuff to do. I'm not sure at the moment. I'm a, we're still we're here for another few days. The weather yep. sort of gets poorer Wednesday, so I'm thinking well, it's probably going to work look very good at the start of next week. It's starting to look very good. So if I get let out on Monday, I might even come join you down there for a couple of a couple of days. You might have to come. I'm thinking Lakes Entrance, yep. and then maybe even sort of working our way down to Wilson's Promontory, which I've never spent. A huge amount of time there and the kids have just absolutely loved it like if you haven't thought about camping it's something that you should really consider you know our kids have absolutely loved it um and they hadn't camped before because they're they're playing all day and they're not sitting in front of their screens so when they hit their the, the head hits the pillow at seven o'clock they're knackered they're gone <laughs> they're down you know like it's just it's been a, a great thing for our family to do um, and we've, we were lucky enough before the surf coast went into went into lockdown that we'd gone, you know, a few days beforehand. But um, when it's when it's possible, you know, whether whatever state you're in, look at those different rural destinations. And I couldn't encourage anyone to to get into camping more than that because it's been great for us. Well, there you have it. We give you a dream boating destination at the start of the show. You're telling press parties with Malikuda. You've been listening to Real Adventures. There's plenty more to come after the break. We've got the social club where we answer your questions from social media. We'll see you shortly. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get into the social club, we're going to take a look at what's biting around the country and cover each and every state. Let's get to Victoria first. Pakenham Lakes, uh, they're producing some massive rainbows at the moment, Redmond. Obviously, this is a waterway that's been stocked uh, by Vic Fisheries, um, so there's been some really good trout that have been released. Um, the best way to target them, and what are you hearing? Power bait. <laughs> you can't beat dirty old bait if you ask me, Pat. Get yourself some power bait, especially with the kids and that. They can't throw uh, your, your divers and that around all day. So bit of bait, bit of bait, throw it out, then have the kids working a working a nice little rapala diver or whatnot along the side. And I'm sure you're going to catch those fish. They're, they're stocked there, and it's kept a lot of pe- people occupied. All the stock lakes throughout that Melbourne, you got Albert Park and all the likes there. So they've done really well fisheries. You also got the Otway River uh, producing. The Otway Rivers, I should say, not specific. The Otway Rivers producing loads of small brown trout. So they're the stuff that Pat and his, and his old man like heading down chasing with the salters in around the Cumberland River and, and the like. So also off the back of that, if you actually do a bit of bush bashing and push up further and deeper into the actual Otways in itself, uh, we know Ben Cunnington from the North Melbourne Football Club. He heads up the back there. You've got Dan Mackerel from Colac, who's a regular guest on the Real Adventures show. 
He always heads up the back there, and they get some really, really big trout, Pat, some really good brown, wild brown trout. And wild Dog just Creek, yeah, there's some wonderful places. Yep. yep. Some, and, and so don't think that there's one one place suits all. But so just just look on, jump on your phone, onto your satellite, have a look at, make sure you can fish there. And like I said, to some places, uh, I actually fished with Dan Mackle a couple of weeks, and he said, oh, Ben Cunnington, bloody – he, he does some serious bush bash and he pushes through some trees and he does – maybe that's why he's half-decent through the midfield because he's pushing through trees to get to these trout. <laughs> so he's, it's not the easiest walk, but if you want to do something different and you've got a bit of time to kill like a lot of us have at the moment and you're allowed to do so, go for a look. Jump on your satellite on your phone and I'm sure you're going to have a really good time finding – not just actually getting like catching the fish, but even finding that stream. It's, it's bloody good fun. I reckon that's a great point because like near on all of those streams – 150 odd years ago, trout were released into. Yep, and and they are full of them. They're not they're not huge trout. It's this is not fishing New Zealand or anything because there's not huge and ginormous water flow bringing in, um, you know, a huge amount of food for them to eat. So they don't get massive, but it's an adventure in itself. So as you said, you know, your you, your Google Maps are as good as anything to look at streams that have sort of less coverage overhead, which enables you to, you know, cast a bit further. It's a, it's a great thing to do, um, and it's dotted right along those waterways. Uh, Lake Yildon, Redmond. Yeah, Lake Yildon, with regional Victoria uh, over the last couple of weeks being allowed to travel through the regions, it's uh, it's it's fished very, very well. And we've missed a lot of cod season, Pat, let's be honest, we have, and it's uh, it, it fished really, really well. And a lot of boats went, and a lot of times when that happens is it actually shuts down a little bit at the bite because they come a bit timid, but maybe because there hasn't been many anglers there that it didn't actually happen. And there was a lot of big fish caught. Soft plastics being the dominant method with obviously many other options you can do, but plastics worked really, really well, and the fish reached well over that meter mark at times. And a lot of that... 80 to a meter so well worth heading down there uh heading to lake ilden if you can heading to your old neck of the woods pat south australia yeah the, the limestone coast is experiencing a huge run of uh, australian salmon at the moment with multiple schools of fish literally in their thousands cruising up and down um giving anglers um great uh, value for time uh it's a great way once again if you want to get your uh, your kids into fishing it's it's if you hit those schools you're gonna catch something um once again they're they're best cooked and eaten fresh so as soon as you've caught them bleed them straight away because you don't want that blood bleeding into the flesh and then they're not a great tasting fish that way um but they're great fun for kids they make Um, a bloody good bait too pat that a lot of people a lot of anglers target the salmon for bait too so it's one thing they do make uh they, they, the only way, I, in my opinion, to make them taste good is after you put them on a hook and catch a big gummy shark because a bit of flake <laughs> tastes beautiful. But <laughs> Morton Bay's fished really well too uh, with something a little bit different to report from there. Uh, sweet lips, um, good signs early in the season. So fingers crossed that in the next few weeks and as that water temp comes up a bit, we start to see uh, a few more of them coming over the side, Pat. New South Wales, massive schools of small bluefin uh, have made appearances wide out of the shelf between Bermagui and Eden right now. Uh, small lures or, or casting surface lures at them have, have been working really well. Um, but they're only small, only to that mm. sort of eight kilo mark. So when are we going to start to see bigger fish through there, Aaron? I don't want to say it, but I'm hoping we – sorry, I don't want to say it. I'm hoping we haven't missed – our annual run of bluefin up the New South Wales coast because Sydney's been 
in lockdown. When I say Sydney, I'm talking New South Wales, etc. Been locked. And you can't down. fish more than three miles offshore. Yeah, so it, it's so, it's you just I don't know. It's going to be. I'm hoping they're still there. The yellowfin bite continues there too. So I can't keep reporting about yellowfin. Yellowfin. That's why I took them out this week. But I still find myself sitting here talking about them because they're just a wonderful fish. So. Uh, like I said, they've got your options, head out to the shelf. And the thing is, with New South Wales, like if you were to fish out of Portland right now, um, well, sorry, during the peak season, you, you quite often your fish are that 8 to 12 kilo, get a bit bigger fish here and there, where you do, and then, then all of a sudden it jumps up to your 100 kilo barrels. Where New South Wales, when you get that big run of fish along that continental shelf, all of a sudden you get a 40 kilo fish, 120 kilo fish, 20 kilo fish, and 80. So, be mindful if you are out there and you are, you are finding eight kilo fish. If you see something in the distance, it's worth going to check it out because it could be a bigger school of fish. Uh, just quickly, Pat, the Georges River on prawns fish really well. Brim flooded blackfish were chewing really well. Also, uh, uh, they pretty much on plastics. Sorry, we're fishing really well with plastics being the best. Uh, WA, slow jigging for jewfish have produced uh, some big fish. And the key word there is not fast jigging, it's slow pitch jigging. So it's those thicker jigs that work a lot better when you work them slow. Some big snapper off Perth Metro too, coming off the beach to that 90 centimetre mark. And once again, the squid's been that better bait. Tassie, George's Bay fished really well for salmon this week. What they were doing was the salmon were pushing the bait fish up into the shallows. So you could actually visually see these fish feeding quite, quite ferociously and just casting small, small plastics into them like just your sort of three to four inches small jig heads and also metal lures as we know your 35 gram lasers or your atomics they work really good too plenty and the salmon are big uh, around that two kilo mark either way so fishing easily to catch if you want something to do uh derwent river fished really well once again in tassie we reported this a few times over the past few months pat trout up to the nine power mark on fly and hard bodies and last one our good mate dennis daly from fishing mission he's bloody loves his mackerel because they turned up again for him this week and he's a monster mackerel during the week so if you are in that area and you can get out on his boat give him a call or search him up at fishing mission on social media or on google and you'll find him and be able to catch yourself some huge mackerel all right, let's get to the social club. We take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. It is free to download at the App Store. Uh, first one is from Tim Richards. Pre-made rigs versus making your own, Aaron. I know you prefer making your own, but I have little time on my hands. I'm not great at knots. Where are the best ones to buy from? There's so many different rigs you can go out there and buy, and they do cost money. And funny enough, we actually, not that this is a plug or a little bit of a plug, Soul Guide actually does sell mine and Gwaine's rigs, more of Gwaine's at the moment. I've uh, got to catch up a bit. Gwaine's been on top of that. He's got plenty of rigs on there that actually how he fishes. So you can buy so them this, on the Soul Guide website. So you have rigged these up yourself. We've done them. Yeah, I've done, I did, I've done 75 whiting rigs that I need to send to Craig, and Gwaine's done, he's got shark toothy rigs he's got they're all rigged from Gwaine no one else but himself and if you follow yeah. Gwaine specifically on Instagram you'll be able to see that he actually he does them himself in front of him he crimps everything he goes into massive detail on um, when he actually um when he actually makes his rig so they're not just going to be your BCF who knows where they've come from sort of rig so they do work well but there's plenty of pre-made rigs online social media is probably a good place to follow them uh there's a lot of fishing pages that actually share uh different different brands and whatnot you got black magic i know there's reedy's rigs there's all sorts of different rigs that you can buy but i'll always say this 
always try and learn yourself because you don't know who's tied that knot. Uh, unless it's someone that you that does it themselves, like Wayne or someone that puts the actual time and love into them, I would they would where I would probably venture to. But watch the rigs, learn how to use them. There's plenty of videos on the Salt Guide website. But you, you just some if you of the don't stuff they come if, with Pat. Like but I'm if you very don't hesitant with. But if you don't trust yourself and you haven't put the time in, mm-hmm. what's wrong with buying pre-made? Are you, like if you're catching bream or you're catching whiting versus like I understand if you're going to go fish for tuna and you're fishing yep. for 120 kilo fish, you're yes. spending all this money to get to there versus something that's perhaps of less important on the yep. scale of your bucket list of fish. So the problem that I would recommend is if you look at the – this is why I'm saying there's rigs that work specific for certain groups. So like Reedy's rig and that, they do a great rig and they've got – They've got specific uh, followers who actually support what they do and they're consistently using the rig and catching fish, not just the brand selling themselves. Where if you go to a tackle store right now, and you and I have spoken this on the show many of times, and just to give you an example, if you buy a lure, it'll say this catches salmon, Australian GTs, bass, Taylor. It'll cover 55 different species, but yet all of a sudden you'll buy a brim rig that also catches flathead, it catches pinkies, it catches this, and you you go to fish where you are now in Malakuta in that beautiful lake, and that rig's got 30 pound leader on it, and you got a a size uh say size four or size three three hook on it. It just doesn't just because the packet says brim, you need to be smart. Buy something that has actual uh, i guess real anglers experiences and that you can get you out there and catch fish that's my recommendation congratulations tim you get a real brand fishing top and hat this week send us a direct message because you're the only question that we can get through given our country whip around you're listening to real adventures we've got our grand final review after the break coming up stay tuned for that Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Redmond, I've been using plenty of Dometic gear throughout the week at Malakuta. I've been staying in the blow-up tent. Kids have loved it. Mards and I have loved it because it's got the dividing uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dividing wall in the main. Well, that's going to stop your area. kids from getting through. They've actually slept in. They've <laughs> they've slept on on one side of the tent. It's amazing, and we've slept on the other. And it's I think it's because they've been so tired during the day that there's there's been no time for anything else. We had the CFX seventy five, the the cooler in the front uh, front part of the tent. We're on a powered site. A couple of cold Carlton drafts in there for me, Pat. When I get it there in a few weeks, in a week. Couple of Pexy axes. So it's been. <laughs> It's been good, but no, we're going to talk about the 2021 AFL Grand Final, Redmond. Yeah, we are. I'm going to do a bit of a bit of our producer Joel Brooksy work here. He loves his footy and uh, he wants to know a few questions, a few questions well, for the big game this weekend. Well, he loves his Western Bulldogs as well. So it is, of course, the Melbourne Demons versus the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, but before we we get into the game of who actually wins, we're going to do a big review, like we said. Now. Big questions coming your way, Pat. I've got three written down, so hopefully that's enough. But <laughs> basically, we're going to break it down from your from the forward line of each side into the midfield, and you're going to do – well, I'm not going to break it down. You are because you're meant to know what you're doing. So dogs forwards versus Melbourne's backs. Take us through the uh, key positions here. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating sort of setting of matchups. You've got Jake Lever, the interceptor, 
who probably plays as as a pure defender, certainly second fiddle to how Stephen May plays as that as that lockdown defender takes the number one forward. And what it allows to do, allows Lever to do, is really read the game, read the play, intercept Mark, and then set up so much of of Melbourne's attack. Christian Salem adds to that. He's not really there to defend. He's there to provide a great run and penetration from halfback with that left foot, which is in, incredibly dangerous. So that's going to be a, a really important focus for the Western Bulldogs. You don't want him getting 30 touches off halfback because if he does, then mm. I would think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to win the game. So the Salem's run and, and, and spring off halfback, there's levers intercept marking. Now, it's one thing to say these are the identifiables. It's another thing to actually execute and restrict it because if there's easy ball movement and low pressure through the midfield, especially with that Western Bulldogs midfield, then the artillery in the front half of the Western Bulldogs is also really strong. You've got Norton, who probably flies harder at the ball in the air than any other forward in the game. So he'll crash packs and and give the, the Western Bulldogs small forwards great opportunity uh, to score. And it, it is directly opposed to what Melbourne want to do in intercept mark. So that in itself I think is going to be fascinating to see who can execute their game style more than the other. Um, and then you've got Tim English who will roll between drifting deep forward and then providing – uh, ruck relief up the ground. I'd ruck Tim when he's fresh and jumping, and when he gets a bit more fatigued, then he'll drift forward, and you could spend you could you could have him as that other target um, forward of the play because the, the the big one has been Steph Martin, and this is what you know teams get critical or um, people get critical of teams recruiting older players, but Steph Martin's value to this team to get them into a position where they're in a grand final now and his importance to try and nullify arguably the, the player within this game that, that has the most difficult matchup is the Western Bulldogs trying to stop Max Gorn. And and, and I had front row seats to, to Max's incredible game um, in the prelim where I think he had 20 touches and kicked five. He was phenomenal. So... As wonderful as Petraka is, as as uh, penetrating and as a greater clearance player as Clayton Oliver is, Max Gorn's importance to that team is just critical. Just before you get into the midfield, because you've ruined my list, uh, going <laughs> back to the Melbourne back uh, Melbourne backline. Now, let's be we all seen two weeks ago May injured. He's injured. He might not be playing this week if it wasn't a grand final. How far in a percentage of his fitness would you play? Would he not play that key? Like he's obviously one of the most important players. They're taking the pump with him. They need him on the game. Uh, they need him on the ground for the day. Where would they? Where it's a big. It's a bit of a risk if he gets injured. Norton could run mayhem. Look, it is. It, it, it's a good call. I actually asked him after the game. I said, "How is it?" And he said, "Just some neural awareness." So, the fact that he could still continue to play. But just have awareness around there. There's no doubt he would have spent a huge amount of time uh, over the last two weeks on the physio yeah. bench, loosening his, his his back up, loosening his glutes um, to take probably a bit of pressure off those hammies. Now they won't 
they will not take a risk in a grand final with a player that's injured, particularly with a hamstring. That being said, Geelong <laughs> did it with with Paul Chapman. Uh, I think it was in their second grand final. We actually played the game with a with a hamstring strain, but it wasn't through the main belly. It was more lateral, so you're able to get through it. Um, but he's a he's a, a critical player to Melbourne's success. So I don't reckon he may not be pinging those fifty meter kicks through the corridor, but he still has a really important role to play. Go to the midfield. You did mention Max Gorn and the importance that he has on the game, and you've mentioned Steph Martin. But let's head to where you were heading with the midfield. You've got Petrarca and obviously Oliver and Oliver. I'll tell you what, Oliver's, he looks like a man mountain on the field. He's running around, mate, giving literally all teams hell at the moment, as well as Petrarca sneaking forward, kicking goals. But then you've got the Bont and you've got Libertore. How do the dogs overcome that midfield with those boys? Because their midfield, as of late, been a little bit better, but it wasn't red hot going into the last, say, six weeks of the of the uh, AFL season. It wasn't. They, their their form line was, was really quite poor. And then the first final hit and... And they obviously lost that game. And then from then, it's just been oh, – sorry, won that game. Um, and then it's just ignited them. It's it's a fascinating matchup with both midfields because you could probably argue, all right, it's it's even at the start. Petraka, Oliver, and you've got Libertore and McRae. Uh, and you've got uh, Bontepelli and um, McRae. McRae will, will get it 35 times. Bontepelli has that ability to – he'll only get it. 20, I say only, you know, 25 to 30, what me mortals would love to have. Um, but it's his, his impact forward of centre that's of greatest uh, importance and um, power to the Western Bulldogs. But Petraka will give you that as well. He's the ability to hit the scoreboard to take contested marks. So those two are, uh, you know, on, on par. Um, where the where the, the midfield matchups I reckon get really interesting is the the depth of each team. Now, you can't get to this stage in the season without without having depth. But that Viney matchup versus Libertore, I think, will be a fascinating one. I would expect that would be the matchup because Libertore's started games so well. He really has been the igniter for the dogs. But Viney's work, I think, throughout this season has gone certainly under the radar because of the success of Lever and May, of Max, of... Oliver and Petraka. But Viney's had a wonderful year, even though he's missed a fair bit of footy with injury. He's been really important. He's that dogged inside mid- midfielder that gets seven to ten tackles a game. So he versus Libertore, I think, will be interesting. And then you've got not the peripheral players, but the second-run midfielders that will run through there. So the depth there is important. The Max Gorn matchup is critical. Steph Martin needs to play the game of his life because Max is in form. He's got it in him, Steph. He, he's been a great ruckman right throughout his career. So it, it's there for him. He can do it, I think, um, but he's going to have to play out of his skin because Max drifting forward is really going to test the Western Bulldogs' defence, particularly, and we'll talk about this now, particularly when you've got Brown um, playing as that lead-up 200-centimetre Key back. Well, you've you've got Cordy and you've got um, Keith. Keith, sorry. Um, I'm the journalist here. I'll help you. Sorry. Who who comes in for uh, for Ryan Gardner? Who who unfortunately gets gets omitted for the grand final, which is which is terrible. But but it's probably the right matchup. You know, 
Keith, I think has had an outstanding season. It's on the edge of 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 when you come back from Hammies, that sort of three-week mark, but they need him to play and they need him to play well um, because you've got McDonald up there as well who's played exceptionally well as a forward for Melbourne. So well, Bailey Fritz as well, you've got him who, who who is a marking forward but also on the ground too. You've got Pickett. Melbourne's forward is elite. And that's why the Western Bulldogs do need to intercept Mark, but I don't. that won't necessarily come from Keefe or will come from... Um, Cordy. Cordy, because they'll have their hands full as it is trying to defend Brown and McDonald. Yeah. Now, when Gorn drifts down there, this is where uh, English is going to have to work back. This is where, um, no doubt, Steph Martin is going to have to work back hard and make sure that Max can't just drift across packs, take contested marks and kick goals. How fit is Gorn? Let's, because he, we, see, we see him kicking the footy got through the sticks, getting goals. Everyone can run forward. Is he run back? Is he pushed back? No, he is exceptionally fit. He's yep. a, he's an incredible athlete. He's he's gotten better as as his career has has continued on. So um, he loves his bike riding. So that's a, a critical matchup. Then if you're Melbourne, you're definitely putting work into Caleb Daniel. The way he work a ball off half back, he kicks it as 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 well as any player that's ever kicked an AFL Sharon saved the game against Brisbane with that inside kick, which I think he meant it. He has that incredible vision. Yeah. So promises to be that's an incredible game. players can't see him against the grass real well, Pat. That's why he's only a little fella. <laughs> he's a little fella, but boy, he can play. Um, he's going to have his work cut out with him though, because as you said, Pickett's down there um, and Bailey Fritch, who's been a goal scoring forward. Now, I'm going to do my call just quickly. I think Melbourne are too good, and it's a bit of a hope for that because my partner goes for dogs. I can't have her too happy that night. So we're going to—they they should be happy. They just made it. So we're going to throw. I, I think Melbourne generally too good all over the park, even the way you've explained it. Where are you heading? Well, if they play like they did against us, that's as good a side as I can remember playing. You know, that's Richmond at their best. That's that's you know Hawthorne at their very best. Geelong at their very best when I was playing in Adelaide. Like, you know, this is a very, very good side. Yeah. But this is a grand final. This is this is a game of of ebbs and flows, and you've got to have your game talking at the right point. And the Western Bulldogs, they'll believe every bit they can. If I'm, I'm if I'm tipping, I'm thinking Melbourne win, and and with Max's Max's form line, you know, if I'm tipping a Norm Smith, I'm I'm thinking it's going to be him. So it's going to be an incredible game that. You know, at a wonderful venue in Optus Stadium that we we can't wait to see, Aaron. Looking forward to the game this afternoon. It's going to be an absolute cracker. That was gearing up. A little a little bit different gearing up, but it was for Dometic Mobile Living made easy. Don't go anywhere because we're going to finish up the show after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip, and it's pretty simple. I'm taking it this week. Red's tip, if you're heading to a place like Malakuta, for example, and you're looking to upgrade your boat or to add a few little tips and tricks to it, fishing with a Minkota out of a region like this is just a must. I can't talk enough about how it's improved, certainly our catch rate, being able to, to slow trawl within metres uh, of, of cliffs and the edges of banks without having the outboard on on spooking any fish has been one of the great things that that I installed on my Staby craft. So I've got an 80-pound thrust um, auto-deploy motor. Could have probably gone the 55-pound, 
but they're going to start at sort of that two grand mark depending on sales and, and, and when you're sort of um, looking to buy them. But I can't recommend it enough if you're going to fish extensively throughout lake systems. And then even more with with um, spot lock and things like that, you can start to use these motors offshore. So Red's tip for the week, if you're fishing um, places with extensive lake systems, then think about installing a Minkota. Just stealing the gaff off you this week, Pat. It's now time for the flying gaff, and it's going to a commercial fisher who has received a suspended jail sentence for catching more than 150 kilo of snapper from a protected zone in a calculated, deliberate late-night act. So it is coming to you the, to that commercial fisher, that gaff nice and sharp, because that is disgusting. Thanks for listening to our grand final edition of Real Adventures this morning. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.